Hey everyone, before we start the show, I have a request. If you value this podcast, the stories, the wisdoms and insights, I would like your support. My book, Pathways to Business Success, is just now published and available on all Amazon and Google Play platform. Or simply, you can just visit ihabtabara.com to find out more. I wrote this book to help aspiring entrepreneurs to start their own business by sharing my wisdom and experience in life and also to motivate people who want to make a change. If you would like to support me as your friend and if you haven't read my book yet and wanted to learn the secret to success and how to develop an entrepreneurial mindset, Pathways to Business Success book is for you. So please just grab and buy my book. It will only cost you a few cups of coffee. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pathways to Business Success podcast series. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having with me our amazing guest speaker, Miriam Holding, the founder and partner of three businesses. She is the founder of Sweet Spot Tennis Academy, which is the first gender-inclusive tennis academy in Saudi Arabia. She is also the co-founder of Back to Basic, the first gym for parkour, acrobats, and circuits arts academy in Jeddah. And last, she is a partner at Richard Education, the STEAM Education for Youth. Let me give you a bit of background about Miriam. Miriam is an MBA graduate from London Business School and an experienced founder with a demonstrated history in startups, entrepreneurship, and strategic partnership. Miriam's also speak four languages, among them are Arabic, Spanish, and Italian. Mariam, it's a real pleasure for you to be here and welcome to my podcast. And may I say that what an amazing profile and background you have. Oh, thank you. Good morning, Iham. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. Uh, and that's very kind of you to say and equally the same uh, to you as well. And congratulations on your new book. I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you so much, Miriam. Uh, Mariam, tell us, uh, how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Um, that's really a great question because um, I wonder if it may be similar for fellow entrepreneurs that um, entrepreneurship is something that uh, it's very, in the sense that one doesn't really decide, I feel. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that happens to you because um, you see something and it becomes a call to, to action. It's beyond your control and you have to do it. It's, um, so it, it chooses you in that sense. So for example, when, um, uh, as you know, I'm half Saudi, half British and, and when uh, growing up abroad and when I came uh, uh, to Saudi after studying law, I wasn't able to practice law because they had no female lawyers at that time in Saudi Arabia and more so I was studying human rights law. Um, okay. So I found myself in a situation where also I uh, was an athlete, a competitive volleyball player, and I have always played a lot of sports, grown up with tennis and golf and things, um, where I wasn't able to, to play tennis. Uh, there weren't leagues or communities, um, like very active communities in, in order to play, or facilities, public facilities. Um, and that, of course, you know, spoke something deep into my core because not taking me away from my sports is, um, you know, is, is 
a very serious issue also from a mental health and physical perspective mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of my life my whole life so um that's when things kind of uh clicked and and i thought well you know i i'm settled here um my husband Saudi we live here we're, we're inshallah you know at that time we were planning on having a family and I thought there's no way um, that I can raise my children um, without having sports as an integral part of their lives and that's when I said okay let's start with tennis and that's okay. when tennis academy uh, was founded and that's how that journey um, started through a pure, pure motivation actually partly selfish uh, that <laughs> I wanted to play tennis I wanted my children to play tennis so how, what were we going to do to make this happen um, and you know it sounds like a somewhat like simple endeavor probably in many places in different geographies but um, in Saudi it was extraordinarily challenging because at that time which is now 10 years ago um, mm-hmm. the, the uh, women weren't allowed to play on public facilities um, so everything was done very privately, um, and also there was no competitive uh, tournament or I- infrastructure for for mm-hmm. growth to happen, and also the required skills among coaches. Um, no unifying standard of coaching and things. So all of a sudden, you start with something very small. Um, I want to play tennis, and it starts to blossom and mushroom. Um, okay. Realize, oh, okay. Actually, it's like an onion. You, there's so many layers um, to this issue, um, and you have to be prepared to walk that walk to solve all of those issues that you come at. And I think this is where you know passion really becomes such um, a tremendous part of the entrepreneurship journey, because without that passion being there or that you know deep-seated goal and that vision of what it is you're working towards it is very difficult to take you through those lows so those continual challenges those continual no's um not finding facilities not finding coaches um you know trying to find the right permissions to be able to conduct something like this um getting acquiring the correct certifications and skills myself or hiring a team of coaches from around the world and um you know having to be on the sidelines and not being able to be on the court alongside them uh from the curriculum and business perspective because they're male and i'm female so all these sorts of things start to come up and um and i think it's really that um that mission and vision and that purpose, that call to action that is so much greater than you uh, really helps uh, steer you through it. Well, uh, that's a fantastic answer and I absolutely agree. It's like something that happens and it's a call to action and you definitely need the passion and the drive and the motivation to do your own business. Otherwise, the whole thing will not work if you don't have that passion and the urge inside of you that will push you and put you on the map to, you know, to succeed, basically. Uh, Mariam, tell us, what are you trying to accomplish with the Tennis Academy and the Back to Basics? What's your vision here? Or what are you trying to accomplish? Um, so as I mentioned, like at the very beginning, I thought, okay, I just want to create a community of players because what I also did observe um, during uh, that time, like, uh, about 15 years ago when I first mm-hmm. arrived in Saudi was that 
you do tend to have individual players um, um, spread out among the community that are, are really top players that have been very well groomed um, that could compete uh, on a, you know, uh, on a competitive circuit. Um, however, the debilitating factor to their progress was that there wasn't really a community also brought up and raised around them in which they could, first of all, be encouraged and play and stay motivated um, and to develop their skills. So what you find is that while perhaps at a younger age, um, there tends to be very high um, entry point in terms of mm -hmm. tennis, there's a very high drop off rate around, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, because um, first of all, they don't have that social group when it's a time in their lives, young people's lives where their social groups become so um, paramount uh, for them in, in all that they do, um, the socialization. And also there's no competitive circuit. So there's no goal setting. There's nothing to really keep them engaged. Um, mm -hmm. So those were the things that I felt that really need to, needed to be addressed if there was going to be any sort of longer term sustainable outcome for whatever it is that I was trying to do. I just wanted to create a safe place where you could get um, progressive skills development and you can set real goals, real tangible goals. So if you just wanted to play recreationally, you could achieve that and you could have fun. If you did want to set, um, you know, further stretch goals, and um, let's say uh, when you go to the US, um, maybe have a, have a scholarship and play for your college team, we could help you get there. Um, and then, you know, through further perseverance and commitment, if you wanted to play for like, let's say the national team or to really try to make that crossover into a more competitive uh, circuit that we could help you build that plan and achieve that. Um, and through that journey, um, through that journey is when I realized that actually the, um, you know, motor skills of young people were not really being developed um, because one of the things is that um, kids are not spending enough time outdoors, running, jumping, playing, uh, climbing trees, um, mm -hmm. going through a lot of these motor movements to really develop their coordination and agility and balance skills that they need across all sports. And so this is where um, me and uh, my, the, the co my co-founder, um, we, we decided, we came together and we thought, uh, okay, this is something that really needs to be addressed in the community for, for the kids' benefit. Um, and also remember, this was also at a time when um, I think that they were just in discussions to announce a physical education being part of the school curriculum for girls at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, there were a lot of things that were happening and what I had noticed from my students at the tennis academy, most of them were in, um, you know, let, let's say uh, uh, local schools and um, also international schools, but uh, the frequency that their agility balance their their uh, versatility of movement on the court was not developed and their spatial relationship between them their racket and the ball was not developed it was a competency that you could really see that this really needs to be attended to especially in the primary ages of their formal development um, to help them whether it's in tennis or football or whatever sport they decide that they uh, you know develop a passion for that they will be able to find success with that Wow, wow. 
Impressive. So basically, you are setting, you want to have a competitive settings with real goal uh, settings basically at the same time, and you're reaching the community of players from all around to make, put them all into one competitive setting so they can reach the goal they want. Uh, tell us, Mariam, how do you capture those clients and how do you uh, tell them know that you are here? How do you make them aware of your presence? Um, well, I, I, what we uh, started with was purely word of mouth. And that was after really talking to a lot of people, um, parents and community stakeholders, and just... Um, you know, getting some feedback in terms of, hey, what, what do you think about tennis? You know, would you enroll your kids in a tennis program if there was um, And just hearing the, the feedback that, you know, yeah, absolutely, of course. Oh, we're looking for tennis. Oh, we're looking for tennis. And, and so what's interesting with that is that usually, um, you know, if you... If, if you're concerned about something or if you notice something and you want to do something about it, chances are you will find that community also of um, like-minded others that, that also want to do something about it too, or that it's also important to them too. Uh, and that's what really sparked it is um, from that feeling feedback, I thought, oh, okay, um, we have something here. Um, uh, you know, my purpose was just that things are sus sustainable. I was like, I just want to see if this can work. Um, it's a challenge. Let's see if it's sustainable. So, so getting out the word was really word of mouth and it grew through that way. Um, and then of course, you know, as, um, you know, uh, competition does, does rise, especially when you're, you know, the, the first entry to the market and you, you're really setting the foundation um, for things. And then, um, you know, other coaches or professionals start to say like, oh, okay, that looks like a pretty good model. Um, mm -hmm. uh, maybe we should explore this. And then, you know, more competition arises, whether it's, um, you know, other tennis programs, you know, yeah. that, you know, from your own coaches that have gone and started their own things or, um, uh, whether it's other sports programs that all of a sudden now are like, oh, okay, you know, sports, hey, that, that's a good idea. Let's offer more of that. But, you know, I mean, competition really does breed excellence in a way because, you know, it keeps you on your toes. And, um, uh, of course, it's much nicer to be a mon monopolist in the market. But Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> but when, when there is, uh, you know, competition, uh, whether it's in the same sport or across other sports, really the true um, people, you know, the benefit from this are the clients and the kids. And so for me, at the end of the day, uh, I think that that's great because it is for the kids. It is building this competency. And, you know, if someone else can do it better than me or if someone else can push me to be my better self or mm -hmm. to avenues, um, well, I guess that's the journey of life that we're on. So it keeps things exciting. Absolutely, I agree with you, Maria. I mean, um, can you share with us more? I mean, the challenges and uh, you faced during your journey, and I know there might be some other opportunity that might open up. So, I mean, certainly one of uh, uh, there are so many challenges that have come up with something like this. You know, first of all, trying to build the talent locally, mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to rely on coaches from abroad. Um, that's a huge one. So. You know your talent like where do you <coughs> bring in your talent from and um it, we, we're always looking for people that have had the experience in 
teaching at academies globally, like at the top academies, I would always recruit from, um, and also that have experience on a circuit, let's say, um, so that they understand how to build um, a competitive mindset and develop resilience which are uh, core skills that are very important to me and, and nourishing in, in, the, in the youth. So um, we always look to acquire that. And we also run many programs here locally, coaching programs for coaches, for fellow coaches, um, to, to give them, first of all, an international certification qualification, um, like the USPTA, uh, which we brought over um, wow. to do an adult coaching course. Um, and we had quite a few coaches uh, uh, subscribe to that um, who are from other uh, you know who are doing their own thing or working independently um, and then of course you know you always run the risk of when you hire talent from abroad um, and they have no idea about the local market mm -hmm. um, and you've now introduced them to the opportunity and the market um, and then um, they become your competitor um, so which has happened um, and so that's I tricky huh that, that's very tricky. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, one of the, the key things is making sure your your missions and visions are aligned. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess th that you can only really realize from experience. As, Absolutely. Course. Yeah. But, you know, going through that process and then realizing that, oh, okay, um, you know, maybe people aren't really so concerned about building an infrastructure for the sustainable future and producing results to see, um, you know, uh, competitive athletes, uh, their, their key motivators or drivers are very different. So I actually, that, that actually um, informed and helped me alter my recruiting strategy because okay. I realized is that, okay, I'm not going to look on paper and go for the best candidate. Um, which I guess people who are working in HR and recruitment probably already know that very well. <laughs> I had to learn that on my own, um, you know, saying, oh, okay, just because you're this, uh, you know, hotshot performance coach and, you know, you've been on the ATP circuit or whatever, doesn't mean you're going to be, uh, have a big heart, be a great person and, you know, want to help me build something for the future. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Are more about extracting as much value as possible in the shortest period of time whereas i'm here for the long haul uh you know so i'm willing to to sacrifice something because we needed a farmer system a farmer system in sports is you build the community around mm -hmm. the sport and you help feed the sport so you help feed visibility um accessibility um and then you can start to um route the kids based on interest and talent and you know um, all the other factors um so my the, the key driver was build the farmer system because there it didn't it didn't exist um and we're still in the process of doing that but so i would say one of the key um challenges is attracting the right talent uh and keeping them motivated and keeping them here um because again um, you need to cascade that talent but tennis is not something that you know uh at a higher level let's say uh 10 plus or something like when you start getting into under 12s or, or under 10s even uh, when the technical requisite becomes more uh, you know, you need that experience, you need that practice. Um, that information can be cascaded, but it takes years to develop, truthfully. 
So that's another reason why I, um, I'm the rights holder for this in KSA for a curriculum called Teddy Tennis. Um, mm -hmm. And I love this curriculum. And this is how I started teaching my daughters and I, how I started the program. Because actually the whole initiative and program started with Teddy Tennis. And it was just focusing on children from ages eight years old very easy curriculum uh, to follow, um, you know, so parents or teachers who are kindergarten teachers or preschool teachers that don't have an athletic background um, can understand the key um, technical points, um, you know, the motions of a, a volley, the motions of a forehand, the motions of a backhand, very basic, basic okay. foundational and how to teach it in a fun way, because in sports, the most important um, contact with your first coach should be fun because this will determine absolutely, whether they absolutely absolutely is that there should be chemistry otherwise you won't love the game i mean i'm a tennis player myself so i, would, I can relate to what you're saying so anyway go ahead amazing yeah exactly and as you said and that's also when i realized like okay maybe i don't need the 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 players and the market was not yet mature to bring high performance coaches whereas i entered with high performance coaches and you know very overqualified coaches and a few things happen first of all they can get demotivated because they don't have the talent kind of ripe and ready to nurture so that's demotivating for them as a coach and then um, again they want to produce and see results usually so that's where this um, system, the Teddy Tennis system, was a great uh, initiator. It's a great entry point for kids to introduce them to the sport and then to get them engaged. And then that's actually how Sweet Spot started because I realized I had all these kids now, you know, ages from three to seven, and they wanted to continue. I thought, oh God, okay, we, we need to set up a system to, to carry them forward. And so that's when I did my different certifications in like Sanchez Casal in Barcelona, um, okay. myself, just to really understand the process and everything. And then recruited coaches to help with um, support the growth and progressive skills development in the older ages. Um, so it's been very interesting. And, and now actually um, uh, we have uh, a few like high performance players that because actually many, some of them have started with Teddy Tennis and because we've been now here in the market for like 10 years. So mm -hmm. they have started to develop and we actually have a few that are now really working on, you know, we have already a few we've sent to the US for college who are college players and others who are still training. Um, so it's, it's great. I mean, of course, the, the results, you would love to see them more widespread and more basic, but that's a whole infrastructural support. That's a, another layer that I think we're kind of entering that phase now, God willing, so. Yeah. So basically your biggest challenge is attracting the right uh, talent, right? Yeah, and cascading the knowledge to local talent. Um, okay. Which, which takes which takes time um, at the higher competitive levels and but I think we're gonna see that happening like there are some really great uh, you know local uh, talents around um, so I think it's just nurturing that more and developing a system to help them um, uh, attain their qualifications and and work through that system and show them that it's a viable you know professional option for them. Mm -hmm. Do you have any words for our listeners who are entrepreneurs uh, during this crisis? Any advice you can give them? Sorry, can, can you repeat that again? Yeah, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs during this crisis? Oh, hang in there. God bless <laughs> you. Hang in there. 
maybe now's a good time to pivot. <laughs> um, you know, uh, well, the advice is, um, I guess, uh, times like these always make you go back to the drawing board a little bit. Wow, I love it. I love it. It's absolutely right. <laughs> go back to the drawing board and... Yep, you go back to the drawing board and you look at... Um, uh, you, you, you have time to kind of really reflect because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, where, you know, before you could get away with um, running a probably a less lean organization at times like this, it has to be lean all the way. And um, that's number one. And number two, I think, you know, looking for looking for those opportunities where you can pivot and capture the opportunities. Obviously, you know, digital now businesses have to be digital somehow. Like, or how can you be inoculated from relations mm. in the market uh, in this manner? As the way that the pandemic uh, has affected many businesses from retail and and other things. But but then you see some retailer thriving, and and why is that? their products or their uh, digital transformation or the, those quick pivots. So I think, you know, obviously for me, all of my businesses were child facing, you know, were, were on the ground. Like it's really hard to teach sports online, although we've seen some tremendous and incredibly successful efforts over the last year during COVID mm -hmm. of that being so huge. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say go back to the drawing board and, you know, see what opportunities has this new market uh, structure presented, because chances are there are a lot. Um, and it's just how we how we look at it, because the there, they just are in a, a different, we, we have to change our lenses a little bit. Well, Miriam, it's been an absolute pleasure of having you here at the podcast. The last word of wisdom for Miriam, go back to the drawing board, check for a gap and opportunity, and maybe try to pivot your business. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam. It's been wonderful speaking to you today. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and stay tuned and subscribe to our next Pathway to Business Success podcast. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, and bye-bye. Bye, Miriam. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Pathways to Business Success podcast. It has been a pleasure to have you and I hope you have enjoyed our episode. If you would like to listen more to our experts, interview and amazing speakers, please subscribe and come and find us on www.ihabtabara.com.